Episode four of the Bottomless Podcast. That is B T T M L E S S. Uh, we're just three friends who are brown and one black who are doing a podcast. Uh, and so, guys, the, my name is Kevin. Guys, introduce yourselves. Little V Vincent, as the mm. the people know. Talk about it. And Leslie. Yeah. Um, so this episode is going to do a little different. Usually we do topical. Usually we do maybe current <laughs> events. Uh, and so we figured we'd do a little bit of like a get to know who you're listening to. Uh, so we actually put through our humble Instagram account, we put out a little bit of a what do you want to know, basically to the people who know us. Um, and we actually we actually got questions back. So let's address well, those. Well, we, we got two questions back. So oh, I was about to gas it up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Originally, let's just clarify. Originally, this was going to be an ask us anything episode. So really, it is, but it's us asking each other questions because we only got two questions from our audience. <laughs> so I'll two the great first. questions. Yes, really two great, great questions. Beautiful. Great <laughs> <laughs> so two and two and a half questions. The first half question, Jojo, your homies love you to death and back. Um, so the, for the first real question was from at Kaylance on Instagram. And Kaylance said... Him. Kaylance said, when will Kevin propose to me? And I'll answer that question by talking about Drake. One time, usually when rappers release albums and shit, they'll tell you like two weeks out or two months out. So there was a time when Drake came out with one of his albums and he said, it's coming, just wait on it. And then two years later that, so Kaylance, if two months can turn into two years for an album roll, it's coming, Kaylance, just just wait on it. That shit in. Um, or just do the, the next- do the Beyonce model and just drop a, a proposal at midnight on a random day. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Tiffany asked, which is this is I like, man, this is actually a pretty. Uh, it could be a, a, a minefield question. She, Tiffany asked, "I'd love to hear how each of you are managing this voting season slash election." Because yeah, we're currently what it's, it's today is October eleventh, twenty twenty, and so yeah, that's actually a very timely question. What's her handle? Uh, she let me see. The handle was at Tiffany Elise Bell. Yeah, and when you guys get yeah, legions of follows because of this, you're welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll let you borrow from our 20 followers. Um, and Elise is spelled with a Y, right? E-L-Y-S-E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiffany Elise Bell. Yeah. Well, okay, so we're just jumping in. Got it. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> who wants to go first? I, uh, Kevin, I'm curious, actually, what your thoughts are. Um, For the election voting season. Yeah. I it it's like a toxic relationship because some days I genuinely wake up and I'm like I'm not fucking voting for nobody can't tell nobody can't nobody tell me to fucking vote some days I wake up and some days some times of the day I'm like I'm nobody and then other days I'm like so just 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 a back a small background for our listeners I definitely 1000% unabashedly voted for Trump in 2016 and so now I won't be voting for Trump and that's like my main my main desire is to see him get the fuck out of office and so some days I wake up and I'm like as much as I despise Biden and Kamala for the horse shit they did in their past that black folks just acting like we don't see or they don't see I'm not black I still sit here and go I don't fucking like Biden and Kamala but it's very much so I'd rather see them in that position than Trump so it's stressful because I don't want to fucking vote for any party uh, that's currently available, but at the same time, I really don't want fucking Trump in office. So if it comes down to it, my emotions are kind of swaying towards what I feel should be ethically responsible, which is trying to get the person I don't want not in that position. But it's stressful as shit. So that's how I'm handling. It's like an emotional turmoil every day of like, should I? What's my ethical responsibility? I have a moral responsibility. I can't just like act like this is okay. Like as a younger Kevin, I'm 29 now. As younger Kevin, like 22, 23, you would not, you would not catch me. Go fuck yourself. You're not catching me at a voting, a voting ballot. But now it's like, man, like there's, there's real life. At least for 2020, there's, I can see real life implications to how minority groups in this country are affected by the rhetoric of the person who is in office, and it's just, it's some complete not fuck just shit. the rhetoric. 
yeah yeah the yeah the policy the yeah so much so yeah I, I, that's that's kind of how i'm handling it like under under pressure and under tension of just feeling an ethical responsibility about it and i do want to note just because i feel like due to the historic nature of her position that she's in her name is actually pronounced kamala and it's, it's worth i feel like it's worth you know like mm. Yeah. Not, not not at all bad on you, but just for any of our, you know, I actually didn't know until she like got on the ticket. Like I thought it was Kamala too. And then it's like, oh, it's Kamala. And I just feel like it's worth. No, it is. Oh, fuck. I'm trying to remember. There's some clip of someone like purposely saying Kamala, like just to be an asshole. And they're like, it's, they're saying Kamala. And they're like, it's Kamala. And they're like, oh, now you're being so PC. It's like, bitch, that's her name. What do you mean? It's yeah. like calling me like Vincent. I mean, be like, oh, it's like Vincent. It's like, how dare well, you police my speech? Just, yeah. It's like the first black slash Asian woman like in this like let's come on like seriously news commentators can't not you Kevin but like people no, yeah, yeah, yeah. like can't get her name right it's just like embarrassing no that's but real anyway. shit like you need like anyone any white person or, or non-ethnic person who doesn't understand that like watch the Keen Peel and Peel skit where he's like hey Aaron and like a bunch of white kids are staring at him he's like hey Aaron <laughs> he was like he was like Aaron he was like if one of y'all say one more goofy ass name uh but that's real yeah. shit, because you ethnic, you fucking name might pronounce The only it. mispronunciation that I'm okay with is Cop Mala. But Leslie, what are you thinking for <laughs> voting this election? Oh. Um, I'm def I voted actually this weekend and mm, good for you. Um, good, good. I understand to a certain extent people on like far ends of the extreme who are like, Oh, I don't I don't wanna vote because at this point there there's no point because mm. They're both so bad. Oh, wow. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. For our listeners, I specifically Rude. muted my phone. Anyway. Um, but I just don't find it interesting or productive for me to engage in that. It's like, not just yeah. vote. And yes, other things need to happen. But to me, getting Trump out of office is extremely, it's not just like, well, it's going to have a big impact. Um, from my granted limited understanding i do feel like if he remains in office it's gonna forever change like american democracy like you know there's a lot of pieces out there about fascism like the rise of american fascism and from what i can understand i agree with how he's and he's like an authoritarian like and it's not to say biden is perfect but i don't think that biden is pushing the same type of insane course that trump would push us for former years of trump yeah yeah um and this is the first time ever that i actually researched all of the other things that were on the ballot which i'm very sad and ashamed to say because now at the place of understanding that i am with engaging in electoral politics which is still like far behind where i eventually want to be but even just at this level, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I ever like wasted the opportunity to vote for these other positions or these mm. other issues that are on the ballot, um, especially with the immense impact that those um, less covered and like, you know, lower level positions have in communities. Like, if anything, that's sort of more so where your vote is going to be felt. So, yeah. So it took like, it was a, like a long process leading up and then day of, there were some stuff on there that I, some stuff on the ballot I didn't know was going to be on there. So I sort of like made an event of it and I would just encourage our listeners who are going to vote, you know, that it's just very worthwhile because you can also treat it not just as a chore, but like a learning experience. Because like in researching the other things that were on the ballot, like <laughs> I out, out of control, she votes once and now she thinks she just Yo, runs Leslie's. Leslie's pops. Leslie's Miss Popular. That shit is popping over there. <laughs> it's literally my aunt. Sorry. <clears throat> okay, so what about you, Vincent? Um, so I will be voting. Um, I was a little gray after the Democratic primary when Biden became the nominee and like his ideology I just vis viscerally can't stand. Um, but I've come a long way thanks a lot to the pandemic and the George Floyd protests and like the current administration's response. So basically I'm full into Cornell West uh, framing where he says it's, do you want to slay the dragon of neo-fascism or neo-liberalism? And I think 
the reality is as as much as i hate neoliberalism it's much more it's it's easier to battle at this point in time and and to be clear like i don't think it stops here because neoliberalism i think aids and abeds and leads to neo-fascism so it's it's been a big part of how we got where we were um but if anything it's just buying us a little more time that's Um, a good way of putting it buying time yeah just a little bit right like with climate change and i mean especially climate change but other economic things too like i'm not so dis i'm not illusioned in thinking that biden harris is anything remotely close to a good choice but in light of the alternative i am going to suck it up and hold my nose and vote but i will say um as much as i i respect other people i get why people do it you will not catch me voter shaming um i'm not i don't think that's the way to get people to engage electoral politics so you have you will yet to see me post on instagram saying if you don't vote then like you're the reason why trump will win like it's yeah, not my it's not my ml thank you tiffany that was a good question that was a good question so um <laughs> we came up with some questions for each mm. other and i Here guess we that we'll just go ahead and dive right in so the first question that i have is that anybody who knows Kevin, which is a good amount of shit. our base right now, anybody, oh, who shit. Him, anybody who knew him in high school will remember that his eyebrows looked markedly different than they do today. <laughs> it was popping. It was pop. It was a look. I have to say it was very unique. Kevin plucked his eyebrows in high school and they were very thin um, and just like little half circles. Just so, so anyone... I- just so anyone who's listening on Spotify and not watching on the YouTube, so literally in high school, what she's saying is it looked like you could take a pencil, p- touch it on a paper, and pull it across, and that's what my eyebrow looked like. Whereas now I, I get them professionally done with a threading lady, and they're, they look more, they look thick, they're, like but they're full. more natural. They're full body, whereas, yeah, in high school, like, that shit was, like, unacceptable. Look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I interrupted. So the first question is, why did you pluck your eyebrows in high school? This is a crazy story because it actually has, like, a lot of background. So there, um, there I was seventh grade on the lunch line at john at john griffin middle school in faith oh North you went Carolina. to john griffin too i, I went to john I don't griffin think i ever knew that seventh and eighth grade yeah, yeah 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 so there i was and some girl like turned around and i forgot why and i she, knew it was and, gonna be something like this i knew it was gonna be some girl traumatizing some, you about your some, eyebrows. It's, it's always women why well, i drink black coffee while well, i pluck my eyebrows so some girl turns around and she's like yeah them eyebrows is thick as hell mind you we're in line and it's like it's like all like my friends were all like the basketball players and the hip-hop dudes and the bat and the football players and the track team and shit so it was a buzz a bunch of dudes like there's a bunch of black dudes who i really rock with and fuck with who in line and you can't like dog somebody say some shit like that about you in front of a bunch of black people in school y'all about to get clowned for the next like two years so she was she turned around and loud as shit in front of everybody we waiting in line anybody got nothing to do anyway so they just turn around with her and he's like yeah them shit just kind of thick as hell though and they all just started laughing and shit and i was like never again so i just took a tweezer and i just started plucking the dog shit out of my, my mind you when i first plugged them they didn't come out like i didn't pluck them all the way to pencil thin like i would just touch up the like the outsides but then every time i would go back to redo it like unless you're a professional eyebrow person you don't know probably like spacing and, and like and and yeah spacing and shit and, and proportion so every time i would go redo it i just kept like re-cleaning and taking off new area that didn't t- so i didn't actually like it happened over time and i was like when I look back at pictures, I was like, damn, like, no, somebody should have, I should, some, people try, people try to tell me. No, because no, people, people try, people try. I met you, no, this is crazy, guys, because Kevin is saying this started in seventh grade for him. By the time I met Kevin, he was a senior in high school. So it went for five years. I probably started plucking them in probably eighth or ninth grade. So sometimes short, because I didn't, because at the time I was like, I don't know what to do. With my, I'm not going to shave them. Like, I don't know what the fuck to do with them. And then. I heard of like girls plucking their eyebrows and I just bought some tweezers and I started doing it. And then, yeah, it's probably like ninth grade. So like, yeah, four, four and a half years, I started plucking them bitches. How thick was thick though? Like how do they look compared to your current brows? Cause your brows right now are like thick, but they're a healthy thick. That yeah. Well, these are like manicured thick. Like they're thick. Like they, they look bushy. Like you'd look at you like them shits is bushy. Like nah, like you need, <laughs> you need, you need, you need to clean them shits up. Like nah, dog. Also, I feel like that question's been on Leslie's like mind and heart because now I'm thinking about it. I feel like you inspired the art for the podcast with your eyebrows. I'm not doing this <laughs> with you guys. 
Doesn't the art kind of look remind? Never mind. Never mind. What? Doesn't the art remind you of Kevin's old eyebrows? No, his current eyebrows. Oh, we're not doing. That's really funny. I can see it. And you know, guys, one of our um proposed podcast names before we arrived at Bottomless was Between Kevin's Eyebrows. And the other proposed name was I'm not calling Vince a hypocrite, but. Wow. <laughs> I like okay. that title. <laughs> that was based on you, Kevin, because you kept saying that. In our, no, in like, our pilot, before we started releasing them publicly, you would go always say, well, I'm not calling Vince a hypocrite, but. Wait, what yeah. was the other, like, close second names we almost went with? Oh. Uh, one was Backslidden. 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 Yeah. That would have been the one. There's another B one. We had like three Bs. We really liked the B. Vincent, did you ever have like a defining moment in your life like that in young Vincent's life where you, and then it caused you to like drastically change something? I don't think so. The only thing I can think of, and I feel like I might have told you guys in one of like our demo episodes, maybe the first one, is that someone once, uh, a girl in ninth grade actually, commented on one of my MySpace pics and I noticed okay. that when I smiled I hid my lips because I wanted to make my lips smaller and she was like stop making your lips skinny L-M-B-O like dead ass I remember the way she wrote it she had all lowercase like a space in between the B-O and the period tattooed in your brain <laughs> and ever since then I've been very conscious when I take pictures to not look like I'm hiding my lips yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it was a good call out it wasn't a bad call out to be yeah. fair <laughs> oh my god you should have got her your homegirls a jumper. <laughs> oh shit. All right. For you two, this is a this is a, a, a triple edged sword. Oh, for y'all two. I'm so the preface. I was watching a, I was watching I was I was watching a clip with a comedian, Hassan Minhaj, and he was talking about immigrant parents have two love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, immigrant parents have two stipulations on their children: what what you do for a career and where and who you marry. He was like, you are as an immigrant child, you are the you are the property of your child, your property of your parent, and you cannot marry outside of your parents' blessings, and you cannot work a job. That's something that would be dishonorable to the family and the perception of your immigrant parent. So, growing up, especially Leslie with a Asian father, and then Vince, like you have a black dad and a white mom, like you know, like. With some black families, it's like, don't bring the white girl home. And then with some white, it's like, so with y'all, did you ever feel pressure growing up or even now of attention or an expectation of who you should marry in terms of like ethnicity, mm, in terms question. of skin color, in terms of like Vince, does like your mom not care, but your dad's like, don't get no white, even though I got a white, like, <laughs> Leslie, I know how Asians are. I'm not going to say it on this podcast, but I know how Asians is. Yeah, my dad's been dropping warrants my whole life to not get get with a white girl because of what he had to go through. Uh, I'm joking. I'm completely joking. <laughs> what up, Mama Vince? No, 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 no. No, I don't think I had any, like, racial expectations. Um, but it, it was, you know, like, white or black, especially where we're from. It's overwhelming white and black, not much brown. But they, I, it's, the expectation is that it's, like, a good, wholesome Christian girl. Like, my mom will send me these mm. corny-ass people. And be like, oh, she's really cute. And what she means is, like, she's really wholesome and Christian. Say, say their name. We know them. Say their name. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No one you guys know. <laughs> a good God-fearing woman is what they want for me, even now. I don't even want a good right. God-fearing woman. <laughs> oh, they, I sure as hell don't want a good God-fearing woman, but... No, that's such a good question and so real because I actually just um, caught up with a friend yesterday and um, he's married to a woman who is from Saudi Arabia and they still haven't told her family. Ooh. They've been married like almost a year now and they haven't told, you know, and her family. What is he? What is he? What is he? He's white. Um, <laughs> they gonna kill them. Well, they gonna, but I, <laughs> they, gonna t- they gonna turn him into camel food. <laughs> he not coming back. They gonna cut. Um, you know, but actually, it's kind of beautiful because like he's literally like found a job that he's applying to there so that they can move there and he can meet her family. But the main thing is more so than he's white. It's because he's not Muslim. But essentially, dang, I hope maybe I'm. 
this is fine. I'm not saying any names, <laughs> but essentially, like you know, he's gonna have to pretend to be Muslim for the duration of their uh, marriage, which is just such a real thing that I think so yeah. many, um, like first gen kids, you know, with parents who either are still in or came in their midlife to America from their homeland. I think so many first gen kids deal with that, and it's like seems so shocking to talk to friends, you know, who just have no concept of like that level of, and it's just kind of like that's how it is. You know, and yeah. you can't even just say, well, the parents are so close-minded. It's like, I don't think at least, you know, I mean, I don't think it's right, but like, I don't think you can just turn and lob a fireball at the parents for. Or they're like, they're uniquely close-minded, right? Like there's like different applications. Of right, it. right, right, right. Yeah. My parents would probably have a, it'd be a tough, I mean, maybe they've already swallowed the pill of me not being Christian, but like the thought of me bringing home a Muslim per- woman would, is like worse than maybe even an atheist person like God, i feel like they would fucked up that's so yeah fucked up. i mean that's just that's real the reality of uh, yeah it's islam is the ops for a lot of conservative christians yeah yeah more than the devil himself so true um i would just say that through over the course of my life i've sort of continued to push that that pressure very much is there in all aspects of my life and I do want to take a moment to say, I feel like a lot of kids of non-immigrant parents don't really understand it. Like, you know, I just feel like they view it as like, oh, you're letting your parents control your life or like that type of thing. And it's really mm-hmm. not like it's depending on, you know, depending on the culture. It's like for me, you know, my dad is Korean and like the, the under you've mentioned this, Kevin, but the understanding of honor, especially like familial mm-hmm. honor, it's not what I hear what I can tell people you know it's just so stereotyped and flattened and it's like no like so I very much hold those things dear to my heart but at the same time know that like some of the things that I care about and I'm gonna probably do and pursue in life won't match my dad's understanding of familial honor for him so more so it's been having sitting down and having conversations like dad like I of course care about this but to me, this is the way I'm applying it. So like, I actually did that with my dad when I decided to transition into the nonprofit world and not because I had to, or because I was like letting, but because I love my dad and I want him to feel proud of me. And I want him to feel like, you know, his daughter's doing well. And I just told him like, for me, it really is like the path that will most make me fulfilled. Like yeah. it re- money just really isn't it for me. Like it's not mm-hmm. a marker of success in the way. And I, you know, we talked about how like, of course, him moving here, living in a car when he first got here, of course, he's always going to have money top of mind for his kids and view that yeah. as like, he wants to know when he leaves that his kids are going to be able to take care of themselves. Yeah. But I've been able to like, so all that to say, I feel like uh, whoever I end up marrying, it'll just be, I'm going to, when it, when the time comes, like, I want, you know, I want it to be a conversation and we'll see. If anything, there was a little more like, yeah, again, that economic pressure, like, the first the first and only guy that I've dated the big conversation was that he at that time like didn't have a college education and didn't have a clear pathway for like making money Mm. and um that was more so like my dad's big pushback 1000 what is loyal what do you mean by loyalty in this context like loyal to like what what does that mean exactly like what how do you show loyalty in the choice of your partner you mean honor or honor yeah it's very hard to put words on because it's like so embedded. I, I don't, Kevin. Yeah, with honor, like especially, uh, yeah, especially in Eastern cultures, whether it's Middle Eastern or Asia, or, or yeah, Asian culture. Um, so honor, like what Leslie was talking about, there's a certain number one, a stereotype of what a what a man's role in society, what a woman's role in society should be, and so like. Man, yeah, Leslie talking about a male who there's not a clear understanding of how I'm going to economically provide for my family. That's an expectation. Is this is this kid educated? Does he have a good job? Is he going to provide well? No, then don't get away from my daughter. For like a woman, like man, is she like man, a liberal woman, a feminist woman in the Middle East? That shit ain't flying. Like you bring that girl home and she's like, I want to like all these ambitions and dreams. And so honor the idea. And then also religion is a very huge thing. So like, in, like we just talked about between us, like the whole Christianity thing, but like in those places. So any of those markers, whether it be religion, whether it be a male who can't provide, whether it be a woman who's isn't bent on having a family and being a homemaker, you bring those things home and it, it, it societally, unfortunately, brings ill repute and almost this level of like embarrassment and shame upon the family. And so honor is, I don't, 
the fathers and the, and the patriarchs and the family don't want any puzzle piece in the family to be able to be laughed at, to be looked down upon, to be looked on with ill repute. And so that's why you have things like honor killings. But to like to bring it all the way back to like me and Leslie, me Leslie being Asian, there's a certain yeah, there's a certain level of Asian parents. They want to brag to their other Asian friends about their kids, right? My daughter, my son went to college. My daughter, my son married a good man. My daughter, my son married a, and it's it's They're all about. Yeah, they all want to brag. They went to UNC Chapel Hill and their lawyer, their doc, all this shit. So yeah, on, it's honor is a sense of it's almost like they want to wear you like a charm on their bracelet. And if you're like if you're like this unshiny charm in any way, whether it be job, career, religion, etc., then you you brought dishonor upon the family and shit. I think that's part of it. I don't think that's totally what I meant, but that's definitely a huge chunk of it. Like I agree huh. with everything you said as part of yeah yeah yeah. Okay. But, there's overlap too no, in I mean, like yeah. in like southern culture not to redirect but just quickly i feel like it reminds me a lot of like my particularly the women in my family my mom and my grandma they love to have things to trout out about their their kids or their grandkids um and like to an annoying extent like yeah. like yeah. why are you telling strangers about like my work life mom like they don't care <laughs> <laughs> it's like while they're ordering like i don't know fucking uh, Smithfield's chicken barbecue midline like so my son works at Facebook and it's like <laughs> oh, there it is hey he revealed it let me just tell you right now I tell my mom you work at Facebook she'll be telling her customers my son's oh. friend oh. <laughs> my mom like my son don't bring me honor I'm like, but my son friend my son friend you uh-huh. work at Facebook <laughs> I love that. Which is funny because I don't even like telling people that I work at Facebook. Nah, I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would want to keep that shit DL just for yeah multiple reasons. Yeah, yeah. And I will wrap up this little part of the conversation by saying it's been really cool to see the evolution between my relationship with my dad as I've more so just like, you know, just just engage in conversation about things that aren't going to perfectly match like his idea of uh, fami- as a family unit you know, moving forward in a way he likes and like, not likes, but just anywho. Wow. Clearly I'm horrible at talking about this topic. I'm going to think about it and like, <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm glad you said it. <laughs> yeah. Just but the cool thing is like, I texted him about, um, an advancement I'm getting at work and it was so cute because he was replying and like talking about how proud he is. And he called me manager Nim, which like, I don't know if your uh, mom does this. I know. Cause like Nim is a way of like adding honor to a title. Um, so like something Nim is like what you would call a teacher. It's like a respected, honorable teacher. And it's just so cute. Cause even that, I mean, I just feel like my dad is definitely, that's a bit more of like the American, like having been here now for 30 years, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's creeping in. We're like, we make those little, it's almost like a desecration you know like it's like a dad like telling that to like his youngest daughter but he does that type of thing now and it's just sweet yeah for yeah. sure 1000 percent, 1000 you said it's nim it's nim like isn't that kind of like don't don't oh i see the wheels turning don't start using that <laughs> just, Yo, just ask him ask him we say, say it's like 20 asian girls that Vince about to start dropping nim at the end of the day oh! <laughs> Vince gonna be walking through the hallways of Facebook. <laughs> Ponytail Nim. I'm just doing some market research. Wait, so kind of on the note, like we were thinking, like kind of reminiscing and looking at old pictures as we thought through like what we could ask each other. Mm. Um, so on that youthful note, I am curious. We're gonna get a little uh, youthful and ratchet. Um, do you guys have any embarrassing first, like drunk, maybe drunk in public, drunk in college stories? Um, Kevin, you went to a party school. Did you ever? I know you didn't necessarily love the university. Did you ever get nah, ratchet? Cause, your n- n- nah, because I was like a brainwashed Christian at the time, and so like I was like, I don't go to the club. Christians don't go to the like a head ass. So they I don't. literally they I, amen. Mind you, like my roommate is like my roommate is in the weed in the in the room breaking down weed and shit and weighing out weed. He got like weed all over my desk and shit. It's just funny, like the dynamic. But nah, like I I yeah, I didn't go to parties. So like funnily, my ironically, my first drunken story was like we skipped I was like 14. We skipped school, stayed at some friend's house, and I had like 
I was like all of 130 pounds. I had two Coronas and I was rolling on the back patio of that house. Like Not rolling off of two Coronas. I'm, so I'm sitting there and they had this little dog and I'm like grabbing the dog and cuddling with the dog. I'm like, oh, I love you. <laughs> and, and I think they threw me in a closet for like 30 minutes because I was just like, like, oh, <laughs> like just off my rocker and like saying dumb, silly shit and having a conversation with myself until I sobered out. It was like two Coronas. <laughs> But that was my first time. My first, like, I literally had never been drunk before. I maybe had a sip of wine or beer before. That was my first time, like, drinking two whole beers, not, like, being like, eh, it's disgusting. And then, like, remember visibly, like, the feeling, like, oh, shit, like, it's lit. And just hear Kevin in that closet, 14-year-old drunk, doing his weird <laughs> incantations that he was doing earlier to himself, <laughs> rapping bars to himself and giggling. <laughs> Wait, actually, that's just a real quick broad yes or no question. Like, are you guys, do you tend to get, are you like sad drunks or happy drunks in general? Oh, shit. I'm usually a happy drunk. I feel drunk. like Vincent's a happy drunk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm out, if I'm alone, because if I'm drinking alone, then unless I have tequila, then I'm going to get like in a very soothed, sullen, okay. introspective mood. But, equal. Can I take but, but, if I, but if I have tequila or if I'm out with people, then it's definitely like a happy, like happy drunk. Like, oh, shit, we like this. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so happy, happy or sad, depending on the context. What about you? Um, I don't really like how so far. I mean, I really have only had like a few major experiences, which unfortunately Vincent experienced literally the last. <laughs> Jojo, what up, Jojo? I, I'm such a Jojo Simpson. No, it's Jojo, not that Jojo, what's up? I just, oh, shit. I think I'm a bad influence. <laughs> no, no, Jojo. It, I mean, damn, Vince is a bad influence. He got me drunk too. <laughs> I swear to God, I got a store. I got the store. We have our party in LA stories after this. Or we can go there now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't really have like a funny. The first time I got drunk, oh, RIP to <laughs> speaking of parents if they listen to this. But the first time that I got drunk was in college. And it was probably like not until my, I think it was literally my senior year. And it was just like a, like a bonfire. And I tried that pink mad dog. You don't know what I'm talking Messy. about? MD20, MD2020? Yeah. Oh, shit. Leslie <laughs> has some hood liquor. That shit's like the hood. That's the gas station Same. hood liquor. And that's coming from a position of just like, I didn't really drink that much in general. And it wasn't actually from any kind of like sense of religion or morality or anything. It was just like, it didn't really appeal to me. But I did end up like, I think I just had some fun. I got a little bit feisty, was like a little bit playful and a little bit like... Leslie, when she gets drunk, if, if you don't know, she... You, she is a dancer and meaning that she's quite mm. flexible she gets drunk and sh her legs turn to like little fish fins and they just kind of flop around and she gets feisty so she's flexible she does these like high kicks and jumps around Wait, for no what? reason um but anyway basically i just got a little feisty and then i ended up like sleeping at that person's house because i could not walk home even though it was only like a couple mm. blocks that's hilarious but the bad time with Vincent, the last time that I got really drunk, I literally was knocked out of commission for the entire next day. And it was just so embarrassing and sad because I was only there for like, what, like four or five days visiting. Yeah. And this was last year. And I just got too drunk. And I had never even had like a, a hangover. So like, it was my first hangover the next morning. And I was literally like just lying in bed until like 3 p.m. or something. And then we like scuttled oh out God. to a Korean restaurant and got sundubu, you know, that that soup with like the soft tofu and egg oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway this bad habit i'm just i guess i'm just like a relatively i'm a bigger guy than most so i just most people's like first bad hangovers just happen to be because of me and i don't mean to but <laughs> i do i'm just do. like a, i'm a happy drunk and i'm like let's keep taking shots come on guys and then little do i know like Dude, I literally remember looking over at Vincent and you just being like, you're just sitting on the little bench and you're like, I'm feeling good. And I'm meanwhile over here like, this was in my good part of the drug where I was like dancing around and like having a good time. And then after that, it just went down. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I go I'm good at cutting it when I'm going to get out of control. But there's, so there's only a handful of times when I feel like I've been incapacitated. The first real time I was with... Um, uh, my, my last roommate, actually, we were at a dance studio in our hometown. Um, and we just decided to have like a nice little late night session, got a few four locos. And I think I was 21. So I, I 
I also didn't drink until I was of age, um, except once when I was in the Bahamas. So it was legal at 18 uh, for moral and religious reasons. Thought you were uh, yeah. Wasn't that like a family uh, trip? Yeah. So I snuck off to get a drink. Um, <laughs> and I got a Heineken, thought it was disgusting. I was like, mm, not missing out on much. So 21, I'm still like kind of a noob with, with alcohol and we're just dancing. And I did the four loco. I was like, you know what? Let's go get more. Let's go to the gas station. So he like walked over to the gas station, got another four loco. I drank maybe half of it. And then um, everything just came back up. And when I tell you, I lit that dance studio up, <laughs> like lit it up. And I, I felt bad because obviously we, we were not really supposed to be drinking in a studio so my roommate had to go back after he took me home and I crawled into bed uh dead he had to go back and just clean up the whole studio he walked in and apparently oh it's so like straight throw up so oh. shout out to him wow <laughs> good times don't do four locos ever since anyone who knows Vince in LA now knows that liquor is breakfast and dinner and then you never know what's gonna be for lunch <laughs> Only when people are visiting. Nah, 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 nah. Get excited. Nah, nah, nah. Remember, let me let me make a drink right now. No, not in the middle of the. Oh, oh okay, never mind. <laughs> you can, you can. Okay, nah. this might be. This is similarly in the vein of throwback because I feel like you got this car in high school, I think. But Vincent, why is your car named Classy, mm. as in placenta? Like, what? Vincent has a a dark rest, red car that rest, is named. No, he. Rest in peace. <gasps> Rest in peace. Oh, I forgot that Rest he said that. Smoke one for Plassey. <laughs> oh. Um, well. Why was it named Plassey? As in placenta. Which is just peak you. It's peak. It's peak, Vincent. Whenever I just learned the word placenta, I just could have swore that it was a beautiful name for like a daughter, despite what it actually meant. So I was just trying to... Um, uh, reclaim the word, you know, like some people have the N word, I have placenta, and I wanted to reclaim it. And the fact that the Mazda was red, the red placenta makes it all the better. So, isn't the placenta what is born with the baby? Yeah, it's nutritious. Okay, yeah, the you're a little all, you're, bubble. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, placenta, incidentally, I don't know if you guys knew this, but it has been reclaimed in other uses. You can literally like pay a bunch of money to get a placenta facial. It's supposed to be like really good for your skin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Um, my, my, my part of my plan for my next mental health day is to go get a, <laughs> a, a placenta facial. Oh my God. When did you first get called Lil Korea? <laughs> so for, for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know me or Kevin, I, I used, I used to have a car, and on the, on the radio of the car, whenever it started up, Lil' Korea came across the screen. And I never told nobody, because at that point, I was a Christian. Um, and Lil' Korea was the name I had from high school. When I, like, you know, when you rap and shit in high school, like, everybody has to have, a, like, a rap name, a rapper name. So Lil' Korea was one of the names I developed. But that came, because I came to North Carolina from Korea, and all I used to talk about was Korea. Like, yo, like the, like the, like eat the, anyone who knows Korea or has ever been to Korea, uh, like eat they one is a big flea market, like flea market street in Korea. So like, I would talk about Korea, everything, Korea, this, Korea, that Korea so great. Korea. So then, one again, of those. again, all my, all my friends in high school was predominantly black. So like, I'm in, the, I'm in the classes with like the football players and the basketball players. And one of them was like, yo, that's a little Korea right there. He was talking about, you know, like, it's just like, it's, it's just easy. Like ponytail blue shirt it's like that's a little korea that he's on my korea so they call me little korea and then like it like i'm again when you say something that catches in front of black people that shit ain't going nowhere so then it went from little korea and this one girl in front of everybody one day was like baby china and that shit just took so like little korea baby china like little asia all that so nah. little korea came <laughs> little, little korea Not came baby from china little korea came from my, my 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 friends in high school who like you know knew i could rap and was like the kid who like loved hip-hop so much and shit like that and like was from korea and talked about it all the time that's where that shit came from Yo, question. Now that yo, now that Leslie is in Hawaii and Vince is in Los Angeles and I'm in Florabama, fuck this place. What did growing up in North Carolina, the South, mm. Christian, Republican, Southern, but also Fayetteville being like heavily black and black culture and black history. How, when you got to these new places, Leslie, whether it was New Jersey or Hawaii or Vince, um, UNC, I mean, UNCW is still in North Carolina, but then Los Angeles. Uh, what, like, man, what did, what did that do to y'all's minds? Like, was there, like, a slight cultural shift y'all had to make of, like, 
man, I, there's a lot of shit I didn't realize that I grew up that I thought was just life. And that shit is just like Southern Christian Republican mm, lens, lenses. <clears throat> you have like two hours. Like <laughs> I, you're right. Maybe we should say that for another. <laughs> like this question is going to feed into some of our future topics. That's true. Yeah, this might be this might be a good little uh, a good old a good okay. little foreshadow. So we'll switch that. We'll, 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 no, no, no. We'll, we'll give we can give some some no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Some sprinkles to whet y'all's appetite for what may or may not be next week's episode. Um, maybe next week's. I forget. Yeah. Uh, I can just go first because like yeah, a lot. Um, I think the cool thing about so I went to school in the same area code, right? So not in the same town that I was born in, but like same area code really culturally not that different besides the fact that it's university so there's just a a breadth of experiences that you interact with but not so much so that it wasn't still like culturally the bible belt culturally white dominant like it was a predominantly white institution so coming to los angeles was a super change in culture um, in a lot of good ways so i think just the main thing was a realization that there's a lot more lived experiences and i think i could have imagined where i grew up just like the amount of people here even that are born and raised in la like depending on where in la you are it's a very different experience culturally uh obviously being super mexican here there's also a huge korean population i lived in koreatown for the first five ish four or five years here um and just meeting a lot of like immigrants like different than the military immigrants that i was used to growing up with Mm. since we grew up in a military town so like a lot of my close friends uh, like I have one that's literally from the Middle East and culturally from the Middle East. So I think just the awareness of the different types of lived experiences was dramatically expanded, which is cool. Um, but that's just one of, of many. I'm going to tag on a question to that real quick before I answer, if both of you want to answer. Because I feel like it's like a doable short. But like in the same vein, what's the biggest difference between what you thought that you like wanted in life when we were all together in North Carolina versus like now or maybe not what you wanted in life but just like just one like the biggest difference in yourself between the place where well you both grew were like born and raised in Fable right me yes oh wait Kevin well, we, Ar- army you- dad but where were you so, before? I thought you were there for pretty much. I thought you were one of those army kids who like got at Fort Bragg and then you know <laughs> stayed there forever. Oh no no no! So before that, uh, born in Chicago, or at least I remember was Germany, then Arizona, then Korea, and then North Carolina. What? Yeah 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 yeah! I was moving. I your boy was. I in, never knew that. Your boy was in these streets. Damn. Well, what time? <laughs> call me, what time? Call me call me little Asian. Calm down. I've, no no calm down <laughs> i can't i wait 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 i can't be black this will let me call myself black so uh, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be a little asian because you're not <laughs> you got me fun. exactly but i am half korean so i'm gonna be a little asian <laughs> feeding you this foo young this generosa i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> okay well we'll revisit that but basically what's the biggest difference in yourself between having been in North Carolina for a while, even if not born and raised, and then when you, like, exited out to where you are now? Um, I think the biggest thing was, like, so I had experiences in non-Southern cultures, uh, but there was just a way of the mentality, whether it's whether it's Southern, whether, whether it's because we came, I came from a white evangelical church, or whether it's because, like, Southern white is usually heavily Republican. Um, that blend, which is, if you know it, you understand, like, Southern people kind of are unapologetic about how they feel. Now they have Southern hospitality. So there's a way of life of like, this is kind of my views and my outlooks on life. And I'm unapologetic about it. And I'm also kind of maybe a little close-minded about it. And maybe it's weird because you might even look down on like, like a Southern white person might look down or it's just a Southern person might look down upon like techie people or New York people. And there's like this like weird games we all play where New York or, or Northern people look down upon Southern people and Southern people look down upon Northern people and shit like that. Um, I think the main difference was like, I had such a heart for like the South cause like Southern food and soul food. And then like also Fable is just a rich black history and like just all the, all the beautiful shit behind that of like, I love black culture. So being around so many black people was like hip hop was like comfort. So getting out here now was just realizing like, dog that sh- that shit is not like 
a lot of things you think, whether it's your church values, whether it's your military values, whether like not everywhere loves the military, not everywhere loves soul food, not everywhere loves Christian, not everywhere loves like if you don't realize that you finna walk into some of these spaces like San Francisco and New York and think these motherfuckers ain't gonna you may I right, yeah, you cute and you brown your eyebrows popping, but motherfucker, you tell them in a heartbeat that you military or Christian or said that shit might put you like on the outs with Pete. So it was like getting into these other spaces and being like, oh, shit, like Southerners are nice to each other. But motherfucker, like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not from North Carolina. I'm in San Francisco. No, nah, I'm not. Nah, 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 I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Korea. Like, <laughs> these oh, other okay. so it was just realizing that, man, like we're all we all love each other in the South, I think, as a Southern culture. But not everyone looks to the South like as as with such a high regard as maybe Southerners do. Like if you're Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Florida, whatever. Well, it makes sense. I think for me, it's kind of a, a flip of that perspective in that I think I unlocked a new horizon of things to learn. Like, I feel like when I left mm. the South, there was like a whole new playing field that began to actualize of how much thing, how, how many things I didn't know or didn't understand, which is actually pretty exciting. Um, and like a whole new play field of like cultures to learn or just ways of life to learn. Um, and I say it's the flip because I think there's also like, I think it's, I think there's some truth in like people don't always love what they imagine Southern folk to be. But I think on the other side, um, Southern folk often don't love like other cultures or they have like a very, um, I, I'm speaking to my specific lived experience, right? Like yeah, so it's, yeah. it's easy to have a very flat understanding of the world beyond um, church, the military and the Bible um so it's been cool to to see my perspective on like as like you imagine yourself becoming an adult and becoming like smarter or more wise and I think what those things mean to me now um are a bit richer and with more depth mm, it's beautiful thank you I took a shower you know I will I will say Vince taking me out to LA because I, I think that I yeah I hadn't left North Carolina yet so Vince took me out to LA I went to go visit him he made me sit at some vegan restaurant for like two hours while he finished work and I was like oh shit I'm gonna get jumped these vegans don't like I'm in here eating ah! I'm, I'm out here eating pork, pork belly and pig feet and ham hocks and he got me this they gonna jump me and and I got out there and like, they were actually really nice to me. Surprise, surprise. No, but yeah, like, yeah. Well, I assume yeah. you weren't walking around carrying like animal parts trailing out of your pocket. No, he, like, he was hunting. He was in, he was in full camo gear in the streets of K-Town, <laughs> like shooting squirrels and eating them. So the restaurant's name vegan. I'm like, y'all got, y'all got pig feet? Y'all got, y'all got pickled pig feet in here? <laughs> by, by, by the way, what's the Wi-Fi password? But y'all got pickled pig feet. <laughs> Well, to answer the question of how moving impacted me, so some mm. of my background, I grew up moving every two and a half years up until I hit seventh grade, which is when I landed in Fayetteville with Kevin and Vincent, but I didn't meet them until I was in like ninth grade. Um, but I was born in Georgia, the state, and then moved to Kansas, and then uh, Ansbach, Germany, Bamberg, Germany, San Antonio, wow. Texas, and then was in Fayetteville for five years because my dad got like a double duty station so we were there you know a double tour whatever it's called and then moved to new jersey for my senior year of high school and then went to school in richmond virginia and went home to new jersey for the first couple years for christmas and then home to fayetteville for christmas and summer the next and then i lived in fayetteville for like a year and a half two years after graduating college and now i'm here in hawaii so i don't think it was as as big of a thing you know what i mean because it wasn't mm. like there was all of my foundational stuff in that culture of like fort bragg Fayetteville, but it definitely did have an impact in that something i mentioned to both of you just like moving to a place where it's so heavily like um islanders and asian people and mixed and almost mm. everyone is an immigrant or the child of an immigrant and then mm. there's like some white people too but it was just like my first experience like where i felt like the general majority from whatever lens like life experiences ethnicity how i look just like how i'm received in the world like yeah representation in everything from tv ads to you're at walmart mm. and like you know the the big the faces on the clothing stuff and who's checking your food out and who's also shopping and like what's in the snack aisle you know like i don't have to drive half an hour to an asian grocery to get my little yeah. like rice snacks like it's all there's like two aisles of it you know and it's just walmart so um that in itself 
in a, such a holistic, far-reaching way, like really has been good for my mental health, which I wasn't mm-hmm. really expecting because it's not like I usually walked around feeling like, oh, I just wish, I wish I felt more represented and like, seeing, you know, it wasn't, but, but being there, it's amazing, you know, and it really, it's, it's just, a, it's not an indictment. It's not anybody's fault when there's a majority population and a minority population. Like that in itself, you know what I mean? Is not like anybody's fault if that happens to be the case, but being aware of the dynamics, you know, like yeah. it, it gave me more empathy when I'm in spaces where there's other people who are more like the minority, you know, like it gave me even more because I didn't even realize how blessing to my soul and heart and mind it was just to just f- always feel like part of sort of like an in-group like so much less work to connect less work to feel seen and understood things I can talk about with anyone my employers my coworkers, friends someone I see at a coffee shop that just it's not even the type of thing you can think to try and like bring up with when you're not in that situation where sort of like everybody has so many similar experiences um so yeah that's been really cool and and one cool i'll just add this quick little story because i think it's cool <laughs> i've told both of you but living here is the first time in my life i i've never felt so specifically seen as like a person yeah and it's because so many other people have similar physical traits to me that i feel like people actually see like my face whereas in a lot of spaces especially in Fayetteville, north carolina like i was so often like one or like a small mm-hmm. there was a small other group of Asian women or even just Asian people and so I just felt like I looked like an Asian you know what I mean like yeah and even that I kind of have beef with just like Asian it's like there's so many countries in Asia there's so many cultures like <laughs> you know and so um yeah I just feel like people like literally see my face <laughs> which I never walked around with a chip on my folder shoulder feeling that people didn't but now that I'm here I'm like oh my god this is what it feels like to like be seen as an individual human being and not just like you know the Asian girl so yeah that's that's beautiful that's beautiful beautiful. yeah it's beautiful almost as beautiful as me never mind what (laughs) (laughs) say it say it no no just no this is actually about uh my mom so bless her soul because it was out of ignorance but it's just the thought of like being seen not just as like the asian person it's just as beautiful as my mom finally exercising calling people oriental from her from her vocabulary finally <laughs> which i mean granted even like asian people from your mom's generation i don't think a lot of them have as much of an issue with it like my dad probably doesn't have beef with because it was that generation that that real, you know what I mean? Like to oh, them, there. it's like it's like being called Negro. Like, don't call me that. Well, but I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like there's a no, no, no. Th- th- there's, there's a, a his, there's a yeah, there's a difference. Asian people yeah, yeah. Do, do not look upon Oriental the way I assume Black people take the word Negro. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but for anybody who might not know why there's issues with the word Oriental, it's because it it re- it relates to like trade and like you know that was a way to describe like rugs and like art and yeah. objects and so you know and that whole relationship with like china i think that's why it's so yeah. common in america like oh if you're asian like you're chinese it, because so much of that initial relationship mm. was like in trade with china and like oriental was a way of describing goods and trying to yeah <laughs> get money <laughs> any nice wrap up last note questions that we wanted to make sure we hit Oh, I, I, um, I just wanted to—I just—I wanted to say something. Real, but you can go, but I just wanted to say something real quick. It wasn't a question; it was just to say something. No, you can tell everyone that you love me first. It's up to you. Uh, no, I just wanted to like, man, like I just want to emphasize the fact that we're three normal ass people besides Vince, celebrity Facebook, who are like we work normal ass jobs. We're not nobody important. We're not nobody special. We literally was like, yo, if like our friends were doing a podcast, I would listen. And so this is how like Vince just birthed an idea between himself, me, and Leslie, and it was like how to placenta. I was about to say, pulled it out, wiped the placenta off, used it as a facial, and then... (laughs) Y'all are disgusting. So, like, man, we, like, we pushed some episodes, and, like, some of our friends, like, linked on Instagram and Twitter, and I just want to say, like, I don't know. I I don't, like, I I, I wouldn't always follow just anyone, even though it was our friends. So, like, I just want to say how, like, how, how, how heartwarming, how humbling, how sweet it was 
Like some of y'all like were met like Elliot, you fucking jumped in the Instagram DMs, was talking about like driving back from Atlanta. To everyone who like fought, whether you followed, liked, commented, and get what whatever you did, just everyone who showed up on that page for our Twitter and our Instagram. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Cause like man, it really does just feel so heartwarming and like sweet to see you guys' faces with the content. And thank you guys. Yeah, retweet completely. I just saw another one of my coworkers just follow the Instagram. So it, it's humbling and I appreciate it. Bam. Oh, I guess I feel like this might be a good parting question. And if not, um, you can just unfollow us, everyone that just followed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Um, to me, this is a good question. Uh, I'm curious if, as we go towards the end of 2020, is there any uh, piece of art, piece of literature, or has there been any, um, like, I don't know, like lecture, anything that has stood out this year that you've read or consumed that was most impactful? Perhaps I should have prepped you guys for this question. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can start to give us some time to think. If, I'm assuming yeah. you already have an answer. The reason why I should have prepped you guys because I actually spent a long time thinking. Um, yeah, you oh, kind of oh, you mo- with you the light ending question, like the most required. I, I was thinking, I felt like it felt like a closer. Like, uh, <laughs> no, it is Vince, Vince could have been like, what's your favorite uh, uh, chicken wing flavor? Color. Yeah, what's your favorite color? You like you like red, you like blue? Or drumsticks or, or, uh, or flats? Um, uh, the answer is flats. Um, I feel like, and this is going to be a very me answer, um, I feel like there's a few lectures um, and a book called Behave by Robert Sapolsky that I read at the beginning of this year. Um, and he's a neurobiologist, so he does a lot of work on the different layers of human behavior as it relates to like biology, anthropology, and there's like, I think there's some ph- philosophical implications of it. And I think for me, that's been most impactful because it taught me on the note of me getting to a place of like learning more, I feel like it taught me what it means to think with complexity and nuance, which is something that people throw around a lot when they don't want to have to explain their views. They're like, oh, you don't understand the nuance because there is no nuance. <laughs> um, but it basically like at a high level um, introduced the different things that play with human behavior, something like anger. Um, there's like a physiological reason for it. There's like a neurobiology biological reason for it there's an anthropological reason for the why the way that we show anger and just showing that none of these things are the single reason but these all happen at the same time in tandem um and all of them rely on each other and they feed off of each other and to pick one out is really just to view the whole complex system from that framing um which i think i've extracted that and that's how i view like people, society. I think it just gave me a practical way to understand things in a complex way, things like dialectics and such. So I think for me, probably the less sexy thing I've read this year, but I think it's really shaped the way that I perceive everything that's happening and the way I talk about things. And to clarify, you're saying you feel like after reading it, you realized at times you were only viewing it from one of those perspectives, and now you're able to more so in an integrated way, like consider the the full symphony that's happening applied mm, yeah exactly okay and then apply that that logic to <clears throat> to everything well follow that kevin what's uh, the most yeah. it doesn't mean that doesn't mean that serious he really comes out here with this question that only he is prepared for <laughs> um so i was gonna say something really ignorant but i won't um no 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 Give us the uh, ignorance. I, I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna quote a rapper with some really ignorant. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was gonna quote some shit from like, like two chains. I let them scrippers. Um, no, nah, I think it, it might have been this year. I, it was, it was within like close enough time where it still has an impact on me. John Legismo's Latin History for Morons. I think it's still on Netflix. I'll say that again. John Legismo's Latin History for Morons. Um, Come on again for the back. He, yeah, no, he just, he, he, um, he tells the, he tells the history of conquistadors coming from Spain, of Columbus, of, uh, what Southern American, what Southern America and the island, the Caribbean islands went through. And then he like starts talking about the influence of Hispanic art and then how like the, just all these different beautiful things and, uh, and kind of just 
paying credit where credit was due in terms of like culture and art and food and dance and history and wealth and 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 but also plight and 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 struggle and all this other shit so as a latin kid who never took time to study that and of course american curriculum doesn't teach it um i like let's like leslie was saying to walk into hawaii and to feel seen to see so many cues whether it's food whether it's other physical characteristics and the predominant population as i watched that i've watched like three or four times now like tears in my eyes because things that it echoed things inside of me, it resonated things inside of me of like, I never knew that a sadness and a heaviness and a, a loneliness and a, and a vagueness I felt in myself, w w how to place it and where that was coming from. And then to see myself represented, half of myself represented outside of me and to, for someone to tell the story, to, confer, to affirm me and who I was. And but also tell it in such an intelligent, beautiful art because it's like a comedy show. So I, like it's this beautiful thing um, to tell in such an artistically beautiful way, which I'm also inclined to. It was just like culturally, psychologically for me, which is why I was so impactful as a Latin kid, as a half Korean, half Latin kid. It was so psychologically like heartbreaking and heartwarming for, for me to see that. That's Love so that. beautiful. I'm definitely going to watch you. it. Yeah, now I'm Thank curious. And not what I would have guessed. Mm -hmm. I had a guess for both of you. Oh, I want to hear. Maybe you'll help because I'm still I'll, kind of. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to share it after you shared. I figured oh, yours would be something about Hamilton, good. Kevin, and then Leslie's. I assume something from uh, Naomi Klein. Oh, no, actually, she was like, I've only read the one book by her. And yeah, it was impactful, but no, not her. Um, I can just say from this year like i think it was this year i watched the full cosmos a series narrated by neil degrasse tyson have you guys watched mm. that it's been a while i've heard of it yeah i want to watch it again because there's obviously just so much to absorb but that one from this year in the basic sense of you know following my deconstruction at the end of last year it was really the first time i could like engage with and absorb and understand the theory of evolution and more so just yeah engage with the vastness of our universe and i think i this is that's going to be one that continues to percolate over the next many years and as i gather more and absorb more information just you know the i don't think the full effects of it have manifested yet but it was the starting point right we're like just on a such a basic level truly beginning to understand like how tiny not just like us but like our earth and like our little time span yeah. is in context yeah. of the universe it really is i don't think even possible for us to grasp and it's funny because the closest like relation uh related strain of thinking to that i can think is when i was a christian I loved that verse that was that talks about, you know, his ways are higher than our ways. Basically just like he is inherent, like God is ungraspable. And that mm. often was like this placeholder for like things I couldn't understand, you know, whether it was like commandments, whether it was just stuff in the Bible that God did, um, whether it was things playing out around me, it would always be like, okay, well, God's ways are higher. So it if I could understand, he wouldn't be God, right? And for me, it's just been really beautiful whereas that was just sort of like a very basic placeholder-y space now it's like understanding something that actually is mm. so much yeah. bigger and then i really but that there is room to like there's so much you can learn and like there's a there's forward motion there you know it's not yeah. just like a excuse for whatever like morally questionable or whatever you know issues that i have yeah. so that's been pretty beautiful that is i love that I would love to, I feel like it'd be interesting to unpack that, but I know we're at time and maybe we'll talk yeah. about your deconstruction in oh. the future. <laughs> in other news, um, I went on hikes the past two weekends and got to enjoy the bountiful fruit in Hawaii, which is such a cool part of living here. There's tons of wild fruits that grow everywhere. And so I just wanted to show them to our YouTube watchers and describe them to our Spotify and other place listeners, but the coolest one is definitely this. It's a lily koi. And as you can see, there's like these little seeds that are inside of these sticky, there's oh, yeah. brown seeds inside of sticky yellow, like sacks of like goo. And then yeah. you bite and you crunch it and it's a little bit sour and sweet. It oh, sounds amazing. like it's in your mouth. Looks um, like gravy. Yeah. What? <laughs> Looks like there's gravy inside. The worst description. <laughs> oh. And then this is an unripe one. It's like very oh. shiny. And then there's also little 
guavas. Just little mm. guavas. Oh, and for uh, lily koi, the, the word we use in the mainland is passion fruit for lily koi. So if you ever had like a passion, passion fruit, fruit candy or drink, that's what it looks like. And then this is a guava, which when you break it open, looks like it has little yellow seeds oh, yeah, yeah, above yeah. the pink flesh. Yeah. That's really good. And then this is... <laughs> Kevin, what is that voice? All those <laughs> Kevin's over here like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry as a motherfucker. You hear this Kevin? I'm literally, I'm hungry too. I'm over here literally on Uber Eats scrolling. <laughs> I'm salivating, like, not talking about them scenes. Girl. Give me that guava. <laughs> also, sorry, I had my mic far away from me. But the last one I wanted to show you is just another type of guava um that's like white oh. and has little seeds in it. And Caucasian. then I ate all of them, but there's also little strawberry guavas, which are smaller and like, red and the bounty of mother earth beautiful hell yeah thank you for tuning in to the bottomless podcast uh please follow us on all social media platforms <laughs> <B-T-T>. <laughs> oh. we're keeping it <laughs> i swear to god we're keeping it Wow! If you think if you think that's not if you think that's not about to be our first clip on Instagram, when we push and cut. <laughs>